Halloween means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. And I'll be honest, I've got no real interest in trying to unpick the cultural tapestry that is Halloween. Whether it's sweets and candy, the occult and the spiritual, spooky and horror. I'm just not that interested. But what I am interested in is the reality that, often around that time, All Saints' Day is a time where people are grieving, remembering those who have died in the year which has passed, or calling to mind those who have been dead for quite some time. And so, as we listen to the story of Lazarus, taken from the Gospel of John, this is the message that I offered to those of us who know that grief can be a lonely and difficult reality. This sermon was preached at St Mary's Dis for All Saints Day 2021. You are listening to a sermon from the Pilgrim Path with your preacher Samuel S. Thorpe. May I speak in the name of God who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. This story of Lazarus is unflinching. It is painfully recognisable to each of us, for who amongst us has not lost someone at some point and wished beyond all hope that they could walk through the door into the kitchen one more time One more chance to tell them how you really felt about them. One more time to say thank you for all that they meant to us. And yet this is good news. How do we balance that? The temptation is to rush to the end where we hear the words of Jesus saying, Get out of the tomb. Rise up. But to do that is to miss the profound reality that is happening. Jesus comes to where Lazarus has been buried, and Martha comes, Mary comes and sees Jesus. And she says, why weren't you here? You could have stopped this from happening. And we read a phrase which means so much. Jesus was deeply moved. We hear in the Old Testament in a number of places words to the effect of God desires not the death of any man, but that he might live. And it's fine to read that in a proverb, it's fine to read it in a psalm, it's fine to know that. But here when we look at the face of Jesus, we see a face swelling up with tears because he is deeply moved by the death of someone whom he loves, this man Lazarus. He is moved by the grief which is felt by all of those who were accompanying Mary, as they've wrestled with the fact that this man who they loved was with them, and now is gone. And in this we see the heart of God for all of those whom he loves. He desires not that they should perish, but that they should live and have eternal life. And in our readings, 
first in Isaiah and then Revelation, we hear this theme again. But God promises, I will come and wipe away every tear. That was a promise which people were waiting for. And yet Lazarus still died. Our friends and our family and those we love still die. And as the years go by, it seems we attend more funerals than we do weddings. We say goodbye to more people that we didn't realize it was going to be the last time we would see them. And yet Revelation presents this vision at the end of time. When the last day has come and we stand in judgment before God, resurrected to eternal life or death. And God says that on that day, I will wipe away every tear. Death shall be no more. And so Lazarus, and in a sense ourselves, find ourselves between two promises. We have the promise of Isaiah, some 700 years before Christ. We have the vision of Revelation at the end on the day which the Lord alone knows. We find ourselves in the middle. Not abandoned, but waiting. Not alone, but not necessarily aware of the vast company we have, of the love of God which overflows for us. When he sees our hurts and our sadness and our grief, when he sees our death and our passing, we trust that he too is deeply moved for each of us. And that one day he will say to us, as he said to Lazarus, get up. But this is a point of contention. People who are here in church who believe in the gospel have faith that these promises mean something. That when we look at the face of Jesus, we see the face of God and hear and know and believe the promises that God makes to us. Not because we deserve it, but because he loves us. But to too many people outside this church, in our communities and around the nation, these promises are not worth the piece of paper that they are printed on. It's a fairy tale trying to gloss over the realities of life. And in the last couple of years, we have seen that the realities of life can still bite us. We are not as safe and immune to the world out there as contemporary society and technology and advancements might make us feel. And there are people who would say, well, suffering means that God does not care. Suffering means that there isn't a God. And Lazarus is in the tomb. My friend is in the tomb and they are gone. And how do we address this? How do we engage with despair in the light of suffering? Well, we do so by remembering that suffering is not really a barrier to the gospel. Indeed, if we understand the gospel correctly, if we understand what Jesus is showing us by his life, we are always confronted by his death. As the hymn we've just sung said, we are strong to live, but we must also be strong to die. And Jesus shows us that example. 
by unboweredly, determinedly facing Jerusalem and embracing his death. Even in the Garden of Gethsemane, he asks that this might be taken away from him. But he doesn't run, he doesn't escape it, but he delves into it. So the world out there might say that suffering means, how can there be a God? But God says, you are suffering, how can I leave you on your own? He embraces our death for us upon the cross. He, like Lazarus, knew the coldness of the tomb, trapped by the stone that blocked the entrance. And like Lazarus, it is by the will of the Father that with the presence of the Holy Spirit, Jesus is raised to eternal life. And we know that for as long as he lives on the other side of the grave, the promises written on paper are now written on the flesh and heart of Jesus. And that as long as he lives, his prayers are always heard. As long as he lives, the Father delights to fulfill his desires and his petitions. As long as he lives, we have a hope that is sure and true, trustworthy to be believed. And this is what enables us to continue through our own sufferings whether it is the grief we feel with the loss of a loved one, whether it is those increasing hospital appointments for the different conditions which we are afflicted with, whether it's the despair we feel over family members making unwise and rash choices. Whatever suffering or difficulty you find yourself in, we know that we have a promise in Jesus Christ that he is with us and will wipe away every tear this has been the faith which has sustained the church throughout the centuries. Not a desire to escape suffering, but to find meaning in suffering. To follow the way of the cross. To trust that he is with us. The very building in which we sit is a testament to those who came before us, for whom this promise of living flesh, the other side of death, was enough that they would spend much of their profits, much of what they made from grain and farming and agriculture, much of their political capital, to create a building of worship to God, so that people might gather in from the rain, in from the busyness of their lives, to have the stillness and the quietness of worship. And as they came before, they are much like our promise in Isaiah. We desire to worship you, God. Let us set up a place and a means for us to do so. But we're not at the end of our story. We have to ask ourselves, where are we heading on our way towards the promises in Revelation? Who are we leaving this building for? Who is going to be here to appreciate and engage and support the work of the gospel in this town? We look around and we find ourselves acknowledging that for the most part we're getting a little bit older and that sadly there are not as many young faces in here as there once were. We look at the front and we see Tony and John and we realise that perhaps, well indeed it is so, 
This is Tony's last All Saints Sunday with us here in this church. By the time this point next year rolls around again, we will be looking for a new replacement. Perhaps a better replacement. (laughs) But in that word better lies a challenge. What is better than the wonderful Canon Tony Billet, who has been so kind to me? What is it that we need as we head forwards? We as a church are going to be entering into yet another season of suffering. Hopefully not drastically, but we will have to ask ourselves some difficult questions around our finances and around what it is that we want to leave for those coming after us and who are we going to give it to to pass it on to those that come after us. And more importantly, when we deal with our own suffering, how are we going to connect with the people outside these walls to bring them in and to give them the hope that we have heard today, to let them know that the promise of salvation is more than words on paper, but is found in the face of Jesus Christ? These are questions which we have to ask ourselves, particularly on a day like All the Saints' Day, where we remember that it's not just about ourselves, but it's about all of us, here in this church, around the world, throughout the past, but also into the future. Because this is what it means to be a saint. It means to find yourself in the position of Mary, grieving for those who have gone, and listening for the voice of Jesus. This is what it means to be a saint, to find yourself suffering, perhaps even to the point of death, but having confidence that when Jesus speaks, we shall too rise again. This is what it means to be a saint, to believe at the promise of God, that he loves us, and that he will wipe away every tear and that death shall be no more, is worth more than paper in our Bibles, but is written on the heart and flesh of Jesus Christ, who lives now and forevermore. Amen.